The following episode of the 9pm edict is a poorly disguised promo for a crowdfunding campaign, but it does contain some interesting new content, also, strong language, and adult themes. Tuesday, the 15th of March, 2022. Uh, Right now, I'm asking you to fund the Autumn Series 2022 crowdfunding campaign for another series of this very podcast. Uh, That's at the 9pmedic.com slash autumn 2022. But before I go too far down that, uh, that particular part of proceedings, let me give you some content. Let's talk about everything that's happening in the world, yes, all of it. Hello, I'm Stilgerian. This is the 9pm Everything in Brief on Tuesday with two days to go. The subtitle of this episode could really be uh, The War, The Plague, The Election. I'm not really going to talk about everything. I'm going to talk about those three things and see what, uh, what comes out of my mouth as I think about it. Uh, let's start with the war. There's a war on. Um, Russia has invaded Ukraine, and uh, that happened uh, coming up to three weeks ago. And I have not really talked about that on the podcast, uh, which is weird given my background. Um, as some of you may know, uh, I used to be a proper journalist, or at least a proper uh, broadcast producer uh, and such. And in previous, I was going to say conflicts, but let's be real, let's say wars, Few of them were definitely wars. Others were other real-time situations. I I have worked on either you know a fresh daily news cycle and getting really deeply into a topic, or or even rolling coverage. I mean, one that comes to mind, one that really does kind of match <laughs> in a number of ways when you stop to think about it, uh, is in two thousand and three, the invasion of Iraq by coalition forces, Operation Iraqi Freedom, it was called by George W. Bush. That was actually announced. That uh, He went on TV to announce the invasion of Iraq on the 19th of March, 2003, almost exactly, well, exactly uh, uh, 19 years ago this Saturday. And at the time, I got a gig writing a daily column about the war, um, you know, about the invasion up until um, Baghdad was captured, essentially. And, and so I was doing that, but at the same time, it wasn't for a general audience. Uh, I'll come back to that. So this is the thing I had to do. It had to be four to 500 words. I'd file by 7am because this newsletter went out at 8am, I think it was, by email. Uh, and uh, and so I got up at four, and back then, uh, I mean, the internet wasn't quite what it was now. There wasn't quite the the you know Twitter wasn't a thing, all of that. Uh, so it was it was a matter of listening to the radio and watching the news um, and making notes very quickly uh, and turning it all into into some sort of sense, a list of facts, basically. It was quite disciplined. Uh, so, you know, as I say, up at 4am, get that, you know, coffee, uh, blurry kind of watch of the TV overnight and 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 get something happening. Interestingly, though, it was for a publication called Energy Weekly News, which had a daily feed of 
energy stuff, you know, about oil prices, electricity prices, um, how things have happened in the previous day, uh, what the weather was looking like so people who were hedging bets on the energy market could, uh, could you know, work out whether they're going to buy futures or not, uh, all that sort of thing. And so I was looking at the war through the lens of the oil industry and it was fascinating because you know how the war – you know, I mean, it was called Operation Iraqi Freedom, and it was all about bringing peace and democracy uh, to the people of Iraq, as as you know, and and the Middle East more broadly, and and uh, revenge attack for the nine eleven attacks uh, on the United States and on Madrid and so on, so on and so forth. War on terror. It made a fuck of a lot more sense if you overlaid the maps on the telly with a map of Iraq's oil infrastructure. Because that's what I was doing. It was like, oh, oh good. Why is why is the 82nd Airborne or whatever all the way out there? Like that 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 serves no tactical p- Oh, oh, I see. That's that big pumping station where several major oil pipelines from Iraq's uh, northeastern oil fields come together before they go down to the uh, port of Basra. It was a fascinating discipline. It was good to write about that each day and about how the war was going. And during that, uh, my laptop and mobile phone were stolen from my house and uh, my garbage bins were stolen, never to be seen again. I'm sure it's, it's completely coincidental. I must say, the, uh, uh, the burglary was, well, burglary. Yeah, it was a burglary. It was quite well done. Um, so it was uh, it was March. It was still quite warm weather. Um, I was working in office in the office at the front of the house. I had the doors open to let some air through. Uh, I mean, door screen door closed, but not locked, <laughs> as it turned out. And and so what happened is that there was a distraction at the front of the house. So I went out to see what that was, and as I opened the screen door, I noticed that. It knocked over a brick which had been placed against it, which then clattered down the stairs. And it was at that moment that the lads doing the theft came in through the back door. Having heard the sound, they knew it was safe to come in and they ran in and grabbed the laptop and phone from uh, from a desk and Zoom. So uh, I can't have been in the office at the front of the house. I must have been in the living room or something um, Whatever doesn't matter. So I thought that was well done, and and the cops, uh, when they came around, uh, did did say two things. One is that uh, there's no point looking for prints on the things they touch because the surfaces um, in question didn't didn't take prints too well. Uh, that's what they said at the time. That was interesting. Now that I think about it, years later, um, and also. Um, they said this is a common method anyway. It's it's a thing that happens. The other one they said is uh, don't leave things sitting on your bed uh, if your bed is near a window because uh, the thieves can throw a bit of string with a fish hook in it and drag your quilt or whatever it is uh, closer over so the things on the bed uh, become reachable through the window. So it's very sad. This was in Enmore, next to Newtown in Sydney. Uh, but they said, yeah, sadly, uh, leaving leaving things even open a little bit, um, the thieves get quite good at uh, 
at nicking stuff. Anyway, that was Operation Iraqi Freedom slash Steal My Fucking Computer. So that was good. And it was interesting writing for the energy industry. industry. But it did become my thing, right, that was my life getting up at 4am to absorb the details of that war. And it did, I will say, make it interesting when I uh, recently, <laughs> in the before times in 2018, uh, flew from Abu Dhabi to Washington, D.C. And the flight path from Abu Dhabi took me straight up the, the central valley of Iraq. And I could look out the window and go, wait, wait, oh, this all looks very familiar. It's very yellow, very dusty is Iraq, can I just say? There's a lot of sand and dust about it. I'd like to go... Anyway, so that was then. Before that, though, uh, I mean, if we roll back, oh, God, back to 1986, there was a a thing called Operation El Dorado Canyon. Now, on the 5th of April in 1986, there was a terrorist bombing in uh, West Berlin. I've got to say West Berlin because Germany was not yet reunified. The Cold War was still a thing. And a bomb went off in a nightclub, a discotheque called La Belle in West Berlin, and uh, three people were killed, 229 injured. Uh, but that venue was quite uh, popular with American soldiers based in Germany, and uh, two of the, the three people who were killed were Americans, 79 of the injured were Americans. So 10 days later, the United States bombed the shit out of Libya. Um... That was in April '86. Is the fifteenth was the strike? Uh, they sent went for one elevens in. There was a whole. It, it's as I say called Operation El Dorado Canyon. Um, there's a whole thing about that. Uh, Forty Libyan casualties. Casualties includes uh, killed or wounded. Obviously, one American plane shot down. Uh, there's a bit of bit of information war involved. Uh, one of the claimed Libyan deaths was of a baby girl reported to be Moama Gamadar. Mauma Gaddafi, years later I still can't pronounce his name, Gaddafi's daughter, Gaddafi the dictator. It was a terrorist thing. There was also the Lockerbie bombing where uh, an aircraft was shot down over Scotland. Anyway, supposedly there was a girl called Hana Gaddafi killed, uh, but there's doubts as to whether she uh, really was killed or indeed whether, whether she even existed in the first place. But I remember that morning... Uh, Because my phone rang. I was working for the ABC in Adelaide and I would have been in my 20s, I suppose. Yep. And uh, because I kind of knew a bit about military stuff, having been a bit of a war gamer as a kid, uh, my phone call rang at, well, it would have been 4am again. 4am is a magic time. Uh, Maybe it was 4.30. But when I answered it, I was told... (laughs) F-111s, American F-111s have bombed Libya and a car is on the way. Uh, so I then had to, you know, phone my little black book of military people and get them to come into the studio or get on the phone and all of that. And as that unfolded in the morning, that ABC local radio can't really do that sort of stuff anymore because they don't have the, the budget to pull, like, a whole producer in just to produce some segments uh, that are about an international issue. Wow, that's a thing. So, again, I was kind of deeply in that news story. And, of course, being on radio in Adelaide at various times, uh, there were bushfires uh, and and the ABC's role as the emergency broadcaster is very important in um, 
in in providing information about what's happening where uh, at the ABC, for people who don't know, is the designated emergency uh, broadcast system. So there's a whole bunch of uh, processes that you learn when you're a producer there. At least I uh, assume you still learn them. Anyway, I was blown away that, I, you know, I, I had worked on bushfire coverage. Um, I mean, studio coordination, as I, I must say, not out in the field. One of my specialities was... Uh, coordinating sort of quite complex live broadcasts. Uh, but I remember working uh, when he did come to the ABC uh, with a journalist um, called Murray Nickel, who unfortunately is uh, no longer with us. I see that he he died in 2010. Uh, but he uh, was uh, at the time of the Ash Wednesday bushfires in Adelaide, which I want to say 1983... 82 or 83, there's a link in the podcast website. I, I was, of course, in kindergarten, um, clearly, at the time. Murray Nickel was with the talk station, 5DN. I don't know what they're called now. Um, and he was doing his usual he, – uh, he was the field reporter. He was really good. Um, and one of the most amazing reports from him was from out the front of is his own house as it burnt down in the bushfires. Um, he won a Walkley Award for that. You'd be surprised <laughs> to hear. It was the most amazing thing. So that was the kind of environment in which I spent, gee, a big, long chunk of my life when I was younger. I was always younger, by the way. It's not just a recent thing. I was, I was, I was younger a long time ago. So when this... A current war kicked off. I actually made a conscious decision not to track it every day. It's so easy now to just fall into the trap. It really is a trap of of wanting to know every single thing that's going down. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but war is quite depressing. War is a cunt of a thing, and there's there's only so much you can counteract that, uh, so many ways in which you can counteract that by uh, by sharing cute memes about Ukrainian tractors towing away random large objects. I mean, that is quite funny. And I, I, just, did, I just didn't want to spend my whole life doing that. Um, I do kind of read some daily summaries, but not every day. And they're from strategic analysts and so on. Um, I listen to some good weekly stuff. Most of my news uh, news absorption is now down to a weekly cycle. Um, some great podcasts on the Lawfare podcast recently. But I just want to pass on that I will in the coming series. I will. I will do something about the war. People have suggested I get John Birmingham on and, and like, I should probably do that and, and probably someone who works full-time as, as an analyst as well. Uh, Dr Liz Buchanan, who's been on the pod, she, she knows about Russia and others. But, uh, yeah, take care of yourself. Unless, unless you, you know, have friends or colleagues or family or whatever that are directly affected and you, you need to know about where the Russians are in relation to them, it's probably not worth 
the effort or worth the psychological trauma of going down that rabbit hole every day. That's it. That's that's said. Yeah, if someone if someone was paying me to do a daily thing, yeah, I'd still do it. Topic to the plague. Um, again, it's certainly weird when the plague kicked off. I was I was doing mini podcasts every day or two. How I'd react. Uh, the ABC got in to do their daily Corona cast. We got into tracking all the numbers, um, and it took us a long time to realise that this is all a marathon, not a sprint, as the cliche goes. Um, I mean, there are still people who are fussing about with, with the daily figures and trying to read the tea leaves on that. They're going, oh, it's up 2.5% since yesterday. That's terrible. I go, well, yeah, but the random noise in this shit's about 40% day to day. Look at the, oh, I don't know. I, I, I have gone to the pub a couple of times in recent weeks. Um, still feels weird. All those, all those people. Shouting their mouths, you can see. If you look closely at some of those drunken blokes shouting in the pub, you can see the little fragments of spittle coming out of their mouth, and you know you saw that moisture in the in the moisture in the mouth. It's disgusting, but that's what we do. And and there's something odd about how different people react to alcohol isn't it some people just get so incredibly loud it's particularly men they feel the need to bellow at the top of their voice to someone who's standing literally right next to them what the fuck's that about i'm more you're going quiet and dark getting i I, I'm i'm more talkative when i'm drunk i suspect I'm more talkative than when I'm with people because it's, it's it's the wow it's that special occasion there is another person with you and there's a lot more of that about these days. Um, I will say one thing that's been frustrating me as we emerge from the more critical parts of the pandemic into well the ongoing but more eyes on the horizon stage. Uh, the pandemic is is the annoying thing that is geeks who are looking at numbers and data and science failing to understand people's emotional reactions uh, to what's going on and that's from i mean both sides of the argument one is the vaccines work just get out there stop fussing i mean yes vaccines do work but they're not worth uh, perfect people have seen um, you know deaths and they're understanding, uh, it's understanding, uh, understandable. <sighs> so I'm not going to edit this one. Um, that they're still fearful. I mean, uh, their fear is not based on rational numbers, but then that's not how fear works, you silly left brain, tedious fucking geeks. And on the other side, there are people who look at other numbers and go, it's still dangerous. Look at the numbers. Look at the case rates. They're going up and up and up. We've had more cases this end days than we had in Y months or whatever last year. Sure. But then 
look at the other numbers and think the other way. It's, I don't know. It's it's strange. It's become one of those polarized things again, and I don't think that helps anyone. For mine, uh, I mean, you listen to this for my opinion, so you're going to fucking get it. Um, I still have mixed feelings about this. Yes, vaccines work. Yes, I've I've had. Uh, three doses of the vaccine i'll have another one as soon as as soon as it becomes a thing we're allowed to do um i could probably uh, pull getting one because i do have a couple of ongoing medical conditions but whatever people other people need that more it's still going to knock me around oh but you'll only be sick for a while and i was like yeah but i can't work when i'm sick i don't have sick leave that's still a thing for me um you know and i am as as I have intimated earlier, not entirely young, and uh, I'm more likely to have a bad experience, and and I just don't want that. And also, there is someone here on the compound who is immunocompromised, and I certainly don't want them to to encounter the virus. Um, so I have that fear. A same at the same time, though, I know the numbers. The numbers are pretty good. People say, oh, there's, but there's flu out there. You could get the flu. And I said, yeah, but is it? I don't know. I don't know. And, yeah, I've cut back on my socialising. It wasn't that big to begin with. It's given me a bit of an excuse to stay at home. <laughs> and I should probably do something about that and get a little more bold about going out. But it's not a binary thing. You know, I've never liked crowds. Why do I want to be in a big crowd? This is where I go, well, you know, do I really need to, to make this trip down to Sydney when it's a bit crowd, whatever, or can I just combine it with something later? It's just a change of thinking. Am I paranoid? I don't think so. Anyway, you work it out for yourselves. They're my thoughts. Housekeeping time. What you have to do right now is go to the 9pm edict.com slash autumn 2022. Or, you know, just to the 9pm edict.com and click on the really fucking obvious thing. The 9pm edict.com slash autumn 2022. At the time I speak these words into a microphone at 9pm on Tuesday the 15th, we are 77% of the way to Target 1. Now, Target 1 gets you four episodes in the autumn season of this podcast. Well, four special guest episodes because this one this one counts as the first um, in the series because, like, it's autumn. Who <laughs> knew? Um, and we've got some great people um, penciled in already. Go and have a look at the, uh, the thing. Hey, yeah, look, if nothing else, have a look to see who might be penciled in. Tell your friends about the podcast itself, uh, the 9pm edict on the podcast app of their choice. If you're feeling really um, energetic, I suppose is the word, uh, you could you could share an episode that you like. I'm sure your podcast app has a share button in it. You could tell your friends and say, look, that one, that one with Andrew P Street was quite funny. Uh, or whatever it was, the one with Liz Buchanan learning about Arctic and Antarctic politics, that was that was 
educational. So do that. And if you can spare some actual funds in these uh, very difficult times, I know there's a lot going on at the moment, but, yeah, you, you could also go to the nightbeamedic.com slash autumn 2022. And if you're listening to this in the future uh, sometime, uh, just go to that website, click on the tip button, uh, and do the needful. Uh, this episode, very quickly, uh, with some one-off contributions um, in the last couple of weeks. Thank you to Ed Giocus or Giocus. It's, it starts with the G-H, so I'm not quite sure how I should pronounce that. It's very slack of me uh, not to have asked. By the way, by a pro tip for people uh, doing podcasts or YouTube videos, don't say someone's name and then say, apologies if I've mispronounced that. Fucking find out. Especially if you're pre-recording and it's it's like some historical figure or whatever. Ah, oh, lazy cunts. Uh, anyway, thanks to Ed, Ed G, and to Keith Duddy, who's uh, contributed for thanks. Uh, thank you, Keith. Dear listener... It is just 14 sleeps until budget night. That's right. Tuesday the 29th of March is when the treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, will stand on his hind feet and tell us all the lies about what the government will do when it's re-elected some weeks after that. So that'll be exciting. Um, Yes, that's the timing for those of you who, who don't, like wallow in this political stuff every day, uh, the Senate election has to be held by Saturday, the 21st of May. It might be held on the 14th. It might be held on the 7th because from the time the date of the election is announced to when the election is has to be at least three, uh, 33 days. So essentially what's going to happen is that uh, Parliament will be uh, on the 29th, Tuesday the 29th of this month, uh, the Treasurer will do his, his little song and dance routine. And isn't isn't Josh Frydenberg one of the dullest fucking speakers ever to... Uh, imagine who's Prime Minister, because that's, that's kind of the, the, the next... Well, the choice, uh, rather than Morrison and certainly rather than Peter Dutton. Josh Frydenberg. Draining on. Uh, anyway, that's on the Tuesday, the 29th. There'll be the speech and reply on March 31st, the Thursday. And Parliament can be dissolved at that point. Bang, election date announced and off it goes. Uh, what can also happen on <laughs> on either of those three days uh, is that um, someone... Uh, could have a go. They could decide, uh, the coalition could decide that Scott Morrison isn't going to win them the election uh, and they're not going to win anyway. But maybe if they put in Frydenberg as Prime Minister, uh, it would be less worse as opposed to changing horses at the last minute, making making things even worse. Uh, the statistics show that uh, no uh, government in Australia has changed leaders this close to an election date and and managed to win. 
There is, of course, the uh, uh, the supposed or the so-called Hail Mary option of, well, we just have the Senate election, uh, which has to happen now. The House of Reps election uh, could be could be later, August, I think, something like that. That'd really piss off the electorate. That could be fun. Two federal elections within a few months of each other. Um in a time when uh, the electorate is getting really pissed off with the government. That that could be quite the disaster. I don't know. Scott Morrison's obviously getting very desperate, the cold slagging off uh, Labor leader Anthony Albanese because he's lost weight and has a new image. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but Sky TV had a thing called the pub test on the other night. Um... For those, of, for those of you outside Australia, Sky News Australia is not like Sky News UK, a reasonably straightforward, if Murdoch-owned, news outlet. Sky News Australia is like Fox News Light, but without the intellectual rigour of Fox News. Yes, I, I'm quite aware of what I'm saying there. Uh... Scott Morrison says he's not pretending to be anyone else. Still wearing the same glasses, he said, although they're not the same glasses. Uh, Weighs about the same size. You don't weigh a size. Anyway, and don't mind a bit of Italian cake either. Oh, oh, so real Australians don't dislike cake. I don't know. Then he talks about being happy in his own skin and not pretending to be anyone else. And, of course, on Twitter, have uh, people have come back with a... Massive series of things where Scott Morrison is pretending to be someone else like a welder, a hairdresser, a truck driver, etc., etc., etc. As you know, I've been following the sports bet figures. Not that that happens. Apparently there's only like about a million dollars total in the, the kind of betting pool, the betting market on this. So relatively small bets or a series of relatively small bets um, can... Uh, can make the numbers move quite substantially. I mean, by small bets, I mean, you know, under 100 bucks or something. I, I should, <laughs> Although by what I just said, I'm thinking small bet is like $1,000 or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Labor, $1.35 uh, for a win. Coalition, $3.05 for a win. Uh, anyone else, $41 for a win at the time of recording. So it's in the same ballpark as it has been for weeks now. I think we can take that as... The decision of the market. I should say that just four days away, there's a state election in South Australia, uh, an advertiser YouGov poll. Uh, the advertiser is the newspaper in South Australia, the newspaper. Uh, Two-party preferred 56 to 44 to Labor within the state. Uh, if you look at the individual breakdowns, Liberal Party 33%, ALP 41%, Greens 11% and others 15%. Do you want to believe that? I don't know. I might do something um, on Saturday watching Anthony Green do his thing on the telly. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um I've been crapping on for half an hour now. Uh, that's probably enough. I will just say, getting back to the, the federal matter, uh, do get used to saying the following phrases. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Senator Craig Kelly, Senator Pete Evans, and Senator Alan Jones. They're going to be things. You heard it here. Thank you and good night. <laughs> 
Yes, that's all the edict for now. Uh, obviously, please go to the 9pmedict.com uh, slash autumn2022 and do the needful. If you missed that, just go to the site, do a tip, do the like, do subscribe, tell your friends. Until the next episode, I'm a Stilgarian. Wash your hands. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.